Welcome to the Radiant Podcast. We are so glad you joined us today. This podcast features messages, interviews, and discussions from Radiant Church located in Seneca, South Carolina. For more information about Radiant, visit RadiantChurchSC.com. Here's today's episode. Welcome to Radiant Church. My name is Andrew. I'm the lead pastor, and we're so glad you could join us today from wherever you're watching or listening from. If this is your first time joining us, hey, go to RadiantChurchSC.com. Click I'm new. Fill out that short form online for us, and as a way of saying thanks, we're going to donate $5 to one of the nonprofits that's listed right there. We are getting closer to Easter Sunday, and just as a reminder, if you're watching or listening and you're local to the area, Seneca Clemson area, we want to invite you to join us for our in-person Easter service on Sunday, April 4th at 10 a.m. Our kids are going to have a fun, interactive Easter experience as well. It's going to be filled with all different types of activities, so if you're local, man, make sure you are here for Easter Sunday. We're going to have our online experience, too, during that time. We hope you'll come out and join us in person that day. We've been in the series is called Wounded, taking a look at the blood that Jesus shed for us. He was wounded so we could be free. In that freedom that Christ brings, He brings peace. And that was the focus of our first talk, you know, in the very beginning of this series. We started with Jesus sweating blood in a garden called Gethsemane. We learned how He was wounded to bring life-changing peace to you and to me as individuals, but also to humanity as a whole, to the community, right? And then last week, we, we followed Jesus from Gethsemane to His trials, And the result was a death sentence. He was going to die by crucifixion. And before being crucified, uh, he was beaten. And he endured a brutal scourging at the hands of the Romans. And and he would have been unrecognizable when all of that uh, was done. Remember last week we said, man, the the Roman scourges were notorious. Most folks wouldn't even survive that. And we learned in the teaching how Christ was wounded for our healing. And that healing is both already, but not yet. It's already because it's available to you and to me right now. God still can and He does heal today. But God doesn't always choose to heal in this life. And that's where the not yet comes into play. Regardless of what happens though here in the present, ultimately healing does come when we enter God's presence forever and eternity. There's no more pain and no more sorrow, nothing but complete wholeness in our lives. And as we've been doing each week, we're going to start off today in Isaiah 53. And that's really our theme passage right now in the series. So I I want you to check this out. Isaiah 53, his Old Testament prophet, man, here's what Isaiah has to say about the suffering servant who would be Jesus many, many, many years later. He said, surely he took up our pain and he bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God. He was stricken by him and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. We're going to be there here today. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. By his wounds, we are healed. Isaiah says that Jesus was crushed for our iniquities. That's not a term we we use a whole lot anymore, right? Uh, But iniquity refers to somebody who's living their life without repentance. They're, They're making a premeditated choice to do the wrong thing. And if left unchecked, it can lead to a life of intentional, deliberate sin without a healthy fear of God. So to live a life of iniquity is not just to live a life apart from Christ. It's intentionally, purposefully living a life that's apart from Him. You know who he is. You know who he claims to be. You've probably been around church to some extent or another as a kid growing up or later in life. And yet you choose to deliberately live a life without the love and grace and forgiveness that Jesus can bring. You're knowingly living a life of sin. That is iniquity. 
Now, we would probably say, if we're living a life like that, that you don't deserve a second chance, you know? Like, you're making choices on purpose, deliberately, to sin intentionally, and live apart and in contrary to who God is and God's standards. So, like, you're making your own bed, you gotta lie in it, right? And yet, Jesus, as Isaiah says, was crushed for our iniquities. He was wounded, even for those of you watching and listening right now who know the kind of life you're living and you know you're running from God and you know you're living in direct opposition to Him. He was wounded to set you free. This kind of life isn't the life, man, that God has for you. You know, many of you already know that. If you're living a life of iniquity, you know that, you know, you know a lot of the basics. You're not the person who's never heard the stories because you've heard them before, right? Uh, you're not the person who's never prayed. You're not the person who's, who, who finds Jesus and Christianity as something completely and totally different because for you, you're familiar with all of that. So, you know, this isn't the life that God has for you. You know that, right? You know that God has a design for your life that's completely different to how you're living. But what if you've gotten tired of running away? What if you find yourself today wrestling with what you know to be true and the life that you're currently living? And that, my friend, would be the work of God's Spirit stirring in your very soul here today. So don't turn away from that prodding because there's something God wants you to know today that He's speaking straight to your heart that you may not get the chance to hear again. So I want to invite you to really lean in to this talk here today, specifically for you. We followed Jesus from Gethsemane to his trials and his scourging, and now we find him with a group of soldiers inside the Praetorium. Well, that's the Roman governor's living quarters, okay? And so Mark 15 picks it up right here for us. Mark 15, verse number 16, we read this. The soldiers took Jesus into the courtyard of the governor's headquarters called the Praetorium, and, and called out the entire regiment. And they dressed him in a purple robe and they wove branches into a crown, uh, thorn branches into a crown, and, and put it on his head. And they saluted him and they taunted, Hail, King of the Jews! And they struck him on the head with a reed stick. And they spit on him. And they dropped to their knees in mock worship. And when they were finally tired of mocking him, they took off the purple robe, put on his own clothes, and then they led him away to be crucified. What ultimately decided Jesus' fate was his claim that he was a king. See, Roman didn't care that he was the son of God. Like, Rome could care less that he was, he was claiming to be divine. But to make a claim that he was a king, that's a whole different matter. That would mean he would stir up a, a rebellion, you know? Remember our last talk. We learned that the Romans wanted to keep the peace throughout their empire. They operated under the Pax Romana, which is Latin for the Roman peace, and they kept that at all at any costs. So in fact, Pilate, he'll even ask Jesus if he's a king. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all record that conversation, and Jesus essentially confirms the question. It is as you say, he tells him. And so John captures something a little bit different. His recording uh, has the crowds shouting their rejection of Jesus. John 19, 15, they say, we have no king but Caesar. So it makes sense then that the Romans would fashion a crown of thorns for Jesus now, right? I've always found it really interesting that he was given one of these. I mean, if you didn't watch our first teaching in this series, I want you to go back and do that as soon as we're done here today, or do it sometime this week, but go back and watch it. In that first teaching, we talked about the connection between Jesus and Adam, and how the two parallel each other, and that Jesus is about to do what Adam couldn't do. He resisted temptation and overcame sin. And through Adam, you know, sin entered into the world, but through Christ, real freedom, dude, it's about to break through. When Adam sins, God curses the ground. 
So the perfect world is corrupted. Man has to work hard for everything going forward. God tells Adam in Genesis 3.18 that the ground will grow thorns and thistles for you. Thorns were symbolic of that curse. And they're a curse today too. <laughs> Anyone who's a gardener understands that, right? Thorns are painful. They're a pain to get rid of. And they choke the life out of living plants. You know, sin will do that to you. Sin will choke the life out of you. It doesn't start off that way. It starts out small. You have control over it. You can pare it back. You can quit, you know, when you want to. But the longer you let it go unchecked, the faster it grows, the harder and more painful it is to get rid of. And if you don't pay close enough attention and you neglect it long enough, it'll overtake your life. It'll choke your spirit. That's just how thorns overtake and choke other living plants. Sin overtakes and chokes you to death. I wonder if maybe you're watching right now and you've, you've got enough self-awareness and humility today to take a long look at your life. Is that feeling of being trapped, of being choked, of having sin and wrongs just overwhelm you? Is that persistent in your life right now? Well, Jesus receives his crown of thorns. But what was meant to be symbolic of God's curse in Genesis, what, it can become so destructive to life itself, right? What would, uh, through pain and suffering of Christ's wounds, become now a symbol of life that God wants to give to each and every one of us, a symbol of freedom in Him. He was wounded so you could be set free here today. The curse those thorns symbolize, it's been broken. And the crown that rested on a king whose kingdom isn't part of this world now has no end. It's a kingdom full of citizens who are no longer under a curse of sin, but walk in the victory and blessing and favor and freedom that God brings. What was once a curse is now a blessing. It was once a symbol of oppression. It's now a symbol of freedom. And the good news is that even if you're living in iniquity and you're purposely, intentionally living on the run from God here today, this is all still available for you too. There's not an expiration date on Christ's offer of salvation, right? There's no end to His open-handed invitation to be part of the kingdom of God. So if you're living a life apart from Christ and you're doing it with the knowledge of who He is, I want you to know, man, I'm not here to tell you that you're some kind of you know, terrible person. But I am here to plead with you to reconsider how you're living your life. So much of our world and life as a whole is, is just colored gray. But following Jesus is black and white. We're either in Christ or we're not. There really is no in between here. So maybe today you're, you're, you're finally ready to stop running. Maybe today you're finally ready to live a free life that Christ can bring. So what happens then when you make the decision to stop living in iniquity and instead of intentionally living apart from Christ, you are now intentionally choosing to live in Him? Well, here's what happens right away. Right away, God's Spirit fills your life. I can guarantee you that if you have been living apart from Christ, you've never experienced the Spirit of God yet. Who is He? Well, the Holy Spirit is, is not a force. <laughs> it's not like Star Wars. It's not a, not a thing or an it. The Holy Spirit is a real entity, a real person, and He fills your life from the moment you choose to follow Christ, and His job is to do two very important things. The first one is He convicts the world of sin. Jesus' own words about the Holy Spirit tell us that much. In John chapter 16, check this out. Uh, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples here, and he says this, when he, meaning the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he'll convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The number one job of God's Spirit is to convict us, 
is to convict us, to let us know that the life we're living, what we're doing is not honoring to God. It isn't up to God's standards. It's not in line with who God is. It's not right and we're not right with him and it happens kind of like this you realize that what you're doing isn't right you know you may not have realized that at all before you may have been struggling with how you were living before perhaps and things didn't feel right here or there but now all of a sudden it feels wrong all across the board not because of some moral clause or some law so why does it seem wrong because the holy spirit's conviction is letting you know how you're living and what you're doing and what you believe in even and it violates the nature and standard of who God is. It's not there's anything wrong with, say, viewing pornography in our world, okay? Like, pornography is a huge business. Governments don't care if you view it. They don't care if you spend money doing that. Morals are all relative. So depending on the person you're talking to, uh, for everyone that you'll find who thinks it's wrong, you'll find a few others who are like, nah, it's good. Our culture approves of pornography. Like, you're not going to find anywhere in the culture writ large against pornography. So why does it feel wrong to you? It's not because of any of those things I just mentioned. Why does it feel so wrong? It feels wrong because God's Spirit is at work within you, convicting you, letting you know this does not jive with God's standards. It violates the very standards and nature of who God is. Why? Because, well, God values each person. We're fearfully and wonderfully made, the Psalms tell us, right? In God's image. And so pornography puts you on a path where you do damage to that, and you do damage to your marriage, maybe even permanently. Christ makes it pretty clear. Like, you don't even have to engage in a physical affair for that to happen. He says, hey, Matthew 5, 28, if you look at a woman with passion and lust, like, you know, the wrong way, right? You've already cheated in your heart. So what's the Holy Spirit doing in all this conviction? He's making sure you know this is not the life God has for you. This is not the path for you, man. That's his number one job is to convict. Here's the second role that he plays. He changes us. He changes us. So if you're going to live a life of complete freedom, the kind of life that Christ was wounded and gave his life for, you need the Spirit of God to make a transformative change in your life. And here's the kicker. Like, you cannot do this on your own, okay? I remember the days where, where I lived in iniquity, right? So I was intentionally running from God. I was intentionally doing things I knew were in opposition to who God was. And one of the key justifications I told myself throughout all that was that, hey, I can stop. Like, I can stop at any point. I can change whenever I want. I know how to do it. I know how to say the prayer. I can do my own thing. Like, I'm fine. I'm in control. Let me just tell you from personal experience, you can't do this on your own. You're not in control. Remember our analogy about thorns? If you neglect thorns long enough, they overtake healthy living plants and they choke the life out of them and they grow fast too. They move in quickly. They become painful and difficult for you to get rid of. You cannot stop a life of deliberate sin on your own, in part because you don't know when to stop. You're always moving the goalposts, man. And in part because, you know, sin at this point's grown so large and out of control, it's too difficult for you to move on your own. You'll never actually do it, and you'll never actually be able to live a free life that God wants for you. Not if you make it all about you getting yourself out of this. And this is where the Holy Spirit's role comes into play. He changes you. Better yet, He transforms you. There's a progressive transformative work He does in your life to make you more like Christ, to bring you to a place where you're living more and more in the freedom that God brings. The churchy word for this, of course, is sanctification. Big, long word, right? It means just basically becoming like Jesus. 
So how do you know if you're, you're being changed into the character of Christ and living in His freedom? Well, as you become more like Christ, your life begins to produce what the New Testament calls fruits of the Spirit. So in a letter written to the churches in Galatia, a man named Paul gives a very good, clear picture of what a free life in Christ where the Holy Spirit is at work looks like. Check it out, Galatians 5:22. He says this, But when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, He'll produce this kind of fruit in us. Love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And here, there's no conflict with the Jewish laws. Those who belong to Christ have nailed their evil desires to the cross, all that's key, and crucified them there. If we're living now by the Holy Spirit's power, let us follow the Holy Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Now contrast this with the preceding verses that outline what a life apart from Christ can look and feel like. Verse number 19. But when you follow your own uh, wrong inclinations, your lives will produce these evil results. Impure thoughts, eagerness for lustful pleasure, idolatry, spiritism, that is encouraging the activity of demons, hatred and fighting, jealousy and anger, constant effort to get the best for yourself, complaints and criticisms, the feeling that everyone else is wrong except those in your own little group. That's division, by the way, and oh man, do we see that a lot today. There'll be wrong doctrine, envy, murder, drunkenness, wild parties, and all that sort of thing. So that not letting you know it's not an exhaustive list here. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's pretty clear, isn't it? The difference is not just relegated to external qualities. There are important internal characteristics outlined in those passages that set us apart uh, as someone who's following Christ and walking in the Spirit and someone who's not. So as you live in the freedom that Christ brings, as the Holy Spirit changes your life and works within you, He brings you closer to the character and lightness of Jesus. And His qualities, they begin to be lived out every day. It happens externally as I, as I, as I take on a love for you know, other people around me. So especially those who might be different from me in a variety of ways. Um, it happens when I express self-control and don't allow passions and impulses or addictions to control me. It happens when I learn how to subdue anger and live with a gentle spirit. And I become more Christ-like, man. And I begin to live a more free life when those things begin to take place. It's a life that people will take notice of. And I don't mean like in big, substantive type kind of ways. I mean in small, more meaningful ways. Like I'm not going to be the guy who goes to the restaurant and yells at the waitress because the order was wrong for the third time. I'm not going to live in a state of constant fear and anxiety because I got God's joy and I know that He's sovereign and He's got it. I'm someone who keeps their promises and commitments. Why? Because I'm faithful. I'm not tearing someone down. I'm going to build them up because I genuinely we love and care for them and I'm doing it with small encouraging words just as I could with big expressive acts. Can I just tell you that a life and the freedom that God brings is in fact the life you have always wanted to live. I guarantee it. You know how I know that? Because every human wants to feel loved by somebody and they in turn want to express love towards somebody else. We want to be this kind of person, the person who lives and loves like Jesus. And that only happens when you stop running from God and you start running to Him instead. When the Holy Spirit convicts you and changes you, 
He gives you victory over sin as well. And I'm not advocating perfection, but you know, we're human, we're flawed. But when you have victory over sin, it doesn't own you. It doesn't rule over you. Your life, your, your, your life now belongs to Christ. There's no death grip sin has on you, right? So 1 John 5, 4 and 5 says this, that every child of God defeats this evil world, right? John is talking about sin and the effects here. And he says, we achieve this victory through our faith. And who can win this battle against the world? Well, only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. So the way to live a life of complete freedom is to allow the work of God's Spirit to occur in your life. It's, it's, it's one thing to know, you know what God can do and who God is and what role the Holy Spirit can play, but it's another thing to actually experience it and live it out. What caused you? What caused you to deliberately run from God? What was it that grabbed your attention and put you on a path to live a life apart from Him? Was it a bad experience in church? Was it some sort of hypocritical leader or parent in your life? I, I've learned over the years that, yeah, that both from my own experience and from the experience of other people, and nine times out of 10, people who live in iniquity, which again is a life of deliberate, knowledgeable sin against God, they do so because of a harmful experience they had with an imperfect person. And it usually has nothing to do with God himself. And so what I want you to realize today I'm not asking you to put your faith in me. If you place your faith in me and you put me on some kind of pedestal because I'm, I'm a pastor, a spiritual guy, whatever, boy, you're going to be disappointed because I'm going to let you down. I'm going to hurt you. I, I, I can promise I'll do both. You know why? Because even though I don't want to do that, I, I'm human. I'm imperfect. I'm flawed. I'm going I'm to do things that are going to hurt folks. I, I, I don't want to. I'm not asking you to put your faith in me or in this church, not even in Radiant Church. You know why? Churches come and go. There's not a perfect church out there. If you find a perfect church, you might run out the door because it, <laughs> it could be a cult. You don't want to stay. There's no perfect churches. And even Radiant Church will do things you don't like. And even Radiant Church will be full of people you don't mix well with. You know what? That's just life, guys. What I'm asking you to do today is take a long reflection of your life. And instead of running from God, I'm asking you to turn around, man, and run towards Him. You might have all the head knowledge. You might know all the stories and the scriptures. You might have gone on the missions trips. You might have been in church and served once or twice. You might have done all the things we expect every good little Christian to do. But if you're living a life of iniquity, I am telling you, you have not experienced the love and power and freedom that Christ can bring. Don't live your life with regret. Don't be the guy who just decides to miraculously run back to God or right before their deathbed happens, you know? I think of all that God could have done through you and the impact you could have made had you run back to Him much sooner. Make today the day you commit not to a pastor, not to a church. Today's the day you commit to Jesus. Make today the day you leave a life of deliberate, intentional sin and you begin a life that is intentionally and deliberately pursuing after Jesus. He was wounded so you could be free. He was wounded so you could live the life that God has planned and purposed for you to live. And all you have to do today is stop running from God and just start running towards Him. And allow the Holy Spirit to convict you and allow Him to change you so you can live and love like Jesus. I know today was a, a very pointed message. We were very narrow in our focus. We're specifically talking to you guys who 
have had familiarity with who Jesus is. You've been to church. You grew up in church. You did all the things that we would think Christians should do, and yet you've turned around and left. You know who God is. You know, you know the Holy Spirit, uh, what, what he's like, because maybe you haven't experienced it before, but you've seen it, and you've seen him change people, and you've seen what God can do. But you're not living that life today. We're talking to you guys here, man. What I want to ask for you today is that you would turn around and put your faith in Christ. I'm going to lead us in, in, in a prayer here, and I'm going to lead you in a prayer specifically first to lead you back home to the Father. But I also want to extend this to those of you who might be watching or listening right now, and, and you're, you're not in the same boat. You're not living a life of iniquity because you're not deliberately and intentionally running and sinning from God, right? Because you just didn't know. You didn't really know who God was. You didn't know much about Jesus outside of like Christmas, Easter, whatever. You've never been to church. It's all different for you. This is all brand new stuff. For you today, we're, we're going to lead a prayer for you also. We're going to ask Christ to become our Lord and Savior, and we're going to do a little bit different prayer for you for that. But I want to address those of you first who are living in iniquity. You've been running from God. It's time to come home. It's time to come back to the Father. So wherever you're at right now, if you're driving, pull over. If you're working out, man, just find a place to take a quick break. If you're at home, take a moment just for yourself. Draw close to God and pray along with me. Father, I thank you for those who are watching and listening right now who they've been around church, they might have grown up in church, they're familiar with who you are, they could quote scripture, they know the stories, but yet, Lord, they are choosing to live a life of deliberate sin in opposition to you and who you are. They know who you are, they've seen the Holy Spirit do some amazing things, but God, they've never experienced the Holy Spirit for themselves. God, they've never experienced the love and grace that you can bring for themselves. Lord, instead what they've done is they have chosen a life of iniquity to deliberately run from you. But God, today they're saying, I'm coming home. <laughs> I'm turning around. I'm coming home. Jesus was crushed for our iniquities. He was crushed for those of us who had tasted and seen the Lord is good and still ran the other way and tried to escape the goodness and grace of God and tried to live in opposition. He was wounded for us too so we could have a chance to come back home. And I pray today, God, for those who are running that today's the day they stop running from you and they start running to you. God, I pray you would forgive them of their sin. They know how to make this prayer happen. You know this prayer. Open your heart right now. Just begin to ask the Lord to forgive you. Begin to ask God to fill you up. Begin to ask God to cleanse you. Lord, I pray that you would forgive them of their sin. I pray, God, that you would cleanse them of their wrong. And I pray your Holy Spirit would fill their life for the first time they would experience the goodness and grace of God Almighty. And today, Lord, they experience your incredible spirit, transformative power. And I ask, Lord, from this day forward, they'd begin to become more like you, shaped and molded, God, into the people you've called them and designed them to be. May the Holy Spirit's transformative power be at work in their lives, I pray. Now for those, God, who 
have never said yes to you, who've never set foot in a church before. Maybe they're watching and they don't know much at all of who you are. This is all brand new for them. A little bit different story. God, I pray for those individuals that you would take them into your kingdom today as well. In fact, that that's you right now, we're going to say a two-step prayer together. I want you to follow along with me in your own words. We're going to make Christ our Savior first, and then we're going to make Him our Lord. And so, Lord, I, I pray right now, uh, Jesus, that you would forgive us of our sin. Forgive us of the wrong we've done. That's all you're going to do is to say, hey, Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin. Lord, I pray forgive us of our sin. I pray, Lord, that you would come into our lives, cleanse us, make us whole, make us new, give us that brand new start, become our Savior today, save us from our sins. Now we're going to make Him Lord. And Father, I pray, now that you've made it, become Lord of our lives, or Savior of our lives, I, we're, we're praying for you to become Lord of our lives. We'll no longer call our own shots. We're no longer going to do our own thing. We are now, from this day forward, God, going to follow and serve you. We're committing ourselves to you. May you be Lord of our lives. May you lead us and guide us, God. May our life now not be our own. May it belong to you. And as we have made you Lord and Savior, I pray you would bring us into your kingdom. God, bring us home. Thank you for those who have stopped running from you and started running to you today. And thank you for those who for the first time made you Lord and Savior of their lives and are now in the kingdom of God. We give you praise for that, Father, we pray in your name. Amen. Amen. Hey. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or would like to reach out to us, you can do so by emailing us at media at radiantchurchsc.com. Or visit one of our social accounts on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes. And give us a five-star rating on the podcast platform that you listen to. We hope you have an amazing rest of your day.